Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome in to the Inside Carolina podcast presented to you by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyTShirt.com. This is the UNC football recruiting podcast. As always, we are joined by Don Callahan. Don, it's been a couple of weeks, kind of the dead period, and now we bring on you to, uh, to kind of get us into the month of March and with recruiting updates. What's going on with you? Not too much. Yeah, we haven't talked in a in a very, very long time um, since uh, since we last spoke. I won my first basketball game as a as a head coach. Nice. So, um, yeah, so we end up only – that was our only win. But, what are your, what are your um, best qualities as a coach? Best qualities as a coach? Um, I think – uh, trying to find out what each uh, it, was a, it was a girls team. Each girl could do best, and I think I was able to do that by by the end of the season. I really kind of just learned as I as I went. As I mentioned the podcast before, I mean I I've never really played basketball other than pickup, so there was a lot that I was learning, and um, kind of feel bad for the girls because uh, I felt, you know my my practice structure, all that sort of stuff, really kind of developed and got better throughout the season. Um, so if I do it again next year, I'll be a way better coach this time around. Yeah, you don't really play. You haven't really played many sports in general, right? Well, growing up, I, I played. Um, <laughs> growing up, I played ice hockey, uh, football, and baseball. Oh wow! Who would have thought? Yeah, and um, I, played, I played in high school. By looking at you, would not know that. Um, all right, <laughs> moving on. We're going to. So the last podcast we did was actually um, in kind of early February. We talked about. Gavin Blackwell's commitment, Gabe Stevens' commitment, and then the Tim Brewster um, leaving UNC and that impact. And I think some people enjoyed our, our breakdown of Tim Brewster and his tweets. Yeah, it um, seemed like forever ago. Yeah, I mean, it's been uh, it's been almost a month since we last talked. I think it's been about three weeks. Um, so the breakdown for this podcast, there's not a lot of huge news, I would say, but the dead period ended at the end of February. So we're going to touch on what that means for UNC football recruiting. We're going to talk about Don's rankings of the prospects in North Carolina for the class of 2021. He does that every year, and those have been coming out every couple of days on Inside Carolina. And we're going to close with um, an article that was published on Monday about Drake May, the 2022, right? Or 21. 2021 quarterback out of Charlotte, obviously, a uh, uh, legacy quarterback four-star commits Alabama but there's a little bit of new news following interview that Don had with Drake and we'll finish with the top five it's your top five um, games you're most excited about for the uh, upcoming UNC football season okay you ready to go Don I am ready okay so dead period that ended and you had no contact between players uh, on campus and coaches weren't allowed to visit players uh, at their schools what has changed now, and what do you kind of expect UNC to handle kind of the upcoming recruiting period and, and, and things that could entice our listeners and UNC fans of football recruiting? Yeah, so in the past, there still would be junior days going on, at least in North Carolina. Um, and other schools are still going to hold junior days. But from my understanding, UNC, they're done with junior days for this cycle. They did two during the, um, uh, during, uh, the February, uh, January period. Um, and right now for the spring, they'll, they'll have like kind of like a junior day sort of event, like a re- recruiting event in May. But right now for March and April, the focus mostly is getting kids on campus when you have spring practice. And 
because spring practice doesn't start until the 17th, which is what, like two weeks away, they're actually for North Carolina. There's not going to be a whole lot of stuff going on for visits. And also, uh, spring break is is during that period between now and the start of uh, spring practice. That's another uh, reason why UNC won't be having a lot of activity. We did have uh, four-star running back Evan Pryor visit on Sunday. I think that's more of the exception than the norm, and even that was kind of like a last-minute sort of um, visit set up. So really, I expect things to be quiet until spring practice Roll, uh, starts up, and then I think those um, those days, particularly those weekends of spring practice, are going to be pretty big for recruits to come on campus. That Evan Pryor news was pretty big, um, wouldn't you say? And what does that kind of mean? I mean, he takes an unofficial visit on his own dime to come up to UNC. Of course, the four-star running back out of uh, Hugh Huff, Huff High School in Cornelius, North Carolina. Anything to take away from that particular or, or just kind of a, a normal unofficial visit? So he's getting close to the end of his recruitment. You know, he came out with his top six about, um, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago. And I actually went by his school that day and we, we spoke and he had mentioned that he wants to take a couple more visits in March. And then if he comes out of March, March uncommitted, he would take some official visits to some of the further away schools. Two of the schools that are on his um, final six are, he hasn't been able to visit mostly because, you know, they're, you know, out of there, he's got the fly to that's Oklahoma and Southern Cal. Um, but really he, he told me he, there was an 80% chance that he would make a commitment during the month of March. So getting him on campus is, is pretty big, but it might end up being North Carolina's kind of last, um, Mm. last shot at him. And what's going to be important, um, and might make this, this conversation a little outdated is if he ends up committing to North Carolina sometime this week. However, if he doesn't do that and he continues to take visits, I, you know, it, it's kind of, you got to think, okay, it gets a little dicey. If, for example, I don't, I don't know what his plans are. Okay. But let's say this Saturday, he ends up at Penn state or Ohio state. That's got to be a little scary for, for uh, UNC's coaches to see. Sure. Uh, so you think UNC is in a good space right right now for him? Is that how you would judge it? I, I think I think UNC is definitely in the race, um, but I think that um, you know, he I talked to him very very briefly on his way home. Um, he did not make himself available for an interview, and I hope to be able to do that. But um, but based off of that, um, if he continues to take visits, you got to assume that 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 doesn't look good for North Carolina. Now, if if a week goes by and we still haven't heard about him visiting anywhere else, then that might be a good sign, but uh, might be maybe he's thinking about things, but it's so hard to say without getting his take on how things went from from the visit and what his mindset is and if he's planning on taking additional visits. I think if he's planning on taking additional visits and does so, that doesn't look good for North Carolina in my opinion. When do you expect him to make a decision? I expect him to make a decision sometime this month. And my okay. feeling, my feeling for my conversation with him was that, so he doesn't have a set date. A lot of guys like to set up a date. They're going to announce the school, yada, yada. But um, he, I felt like, and he didn't exactly say this, but I felt like his game plan was to go on a visit. And if he gets that feeling during that visit, he was going to commit. He, as far as we know, publicly has, uh, has did not commit to North Carolina on Sunday. So my thinking is if, if my my I guess assumption is correct, is that if he goes to another school, there's always the chance that on that visit he commits to that school, whether it's Penn State, 
Ohio State, Georgia, whoever. And and North Carolina is really battling with some heavy hitters in this recruitment. Mm-hmm. Little scoop there, unexpected scoop coming off Evan Pryor's unofficial visit to UNC on Sunday. Additionally, Keyshawn Silver, a four-star defensive end out of Rocky Mount, narrowed his uh, list down to seven. Anything to take away from that? Um, he's been tweeting a lot about UNC. A lot of a lot of UNC fans have been in his mentions. Uh, your take on on that or any news that we, we, need, we need to talk about? Yeah, well, I think it's a lot better than what he did. Like I think it was like a week prior, where he had a top fifteen, um, which yeah. uh, I don't think it, it doesn't really tell you a whole lot. I'd rather have a top fifteen than nothing. But I think a top seven really kind of shows you, okay, who are the the real the real challengers here? And to be completely honest, I felt from the get go that North Carolina was the the team to beat in this recruitment, and that really the only school I could see kind of stealing him away is Florida. And Florida just picked up a a commitment from a four star defensive lineman from South Carolina, which you got to wonder how much that might impact um, the Florida's pursuit. Of Keyshawn Silver, but I think North Carolina is in a great spot with him. I don't, I, I don't know if the top seven really tells us a whole lot, other than what are the true competitors in this recruitment. Great, and uh, top seven was UNC, Alabama, Auburn, Florida, Georgia, LSU, and Oregon. Be crazy for a kid from Rocky Mount to go to Oregon. Yeah, I think that you can pretty much x out Oregon, um, but the other schools. <laughs> Um, it's crazy though, if you think about it, just Oregon coming out with, you know, doing the whole Jersey thing, it really has resonated with recruits for like over a decade now. And, and that's why they, and and I guess the offense that kind of went along with it. Um, and that's why a lot of these kids throw Oregon out there because they're obviously the one that sticks out. They're the only one out of the Southeast in, in that group. Yeah. And they're way far out of the Southeast. You don't get much further out of the Southeast than Oregon. You know, yeah. I mean, their their closeness with Nike has been huge, and mm-hmm. um, it's been a great marketing ploy for them. I mean, think about a family coming, you know, traveling to Eugene, Oregon, every Saturday, yeah. seven times on a on, on a fall. I mean, that's a huge financial burden. And if, even if to fly into Portland, I'd imagine it's still a, an hour or two drive to yeah. the area. Great area, though. By the way, I love Oregon. All right, Don. Um, one one other thing I want to ask you about. I didn't prep you for this, but you know, Uh-oh. we talked to John Lilly and um, Jovan, uh, Javon DeWitt last week, their first availability to the media. I asked them much about recruiting. H- have you gotten any feel for them? Mac Brown said their area has not been determined. I don't know if you have different insight into that. I know Lilly has ties to his time at Georgia with the state of Georgia. DeWitt has ties to South Florida and a little bit above Dade County from his time at U. CF and at um, FAU any take on, on kind of how they're attacking recruiting so far yeah so well first with Lily I think um, I talked to a couple of high school coaches who who are familiar with him actually one who um, was teammates with him in, in college um, and they both spoke super high of him just the type of player or just type of recruiter he is and and just how honest and um, you know a, a guy with a lot of integrity um, I think that what's going to be interesting is to see what they do out of state. I think in state, there's only, there's only a couple of different options they can do for territory wise, but um, Georgia, for example, Tim Brewster and Scott, Scott Boone did not recruit Georgia. 
So really all the areas that North Carolina recruits have, have been kind of claimed by another assistant coach. So obviously if you try to insert Lily in there, which I, I don't think is a bad idea at all, um, you would have to kind of do some sh- shuffling in Georgia. You mentioned um, DeWitt and his expertise is kind of in that South Florida area, which is an area that North Carolina hasn't really tried to mess with, really hasn't messed with since um, since Butch Davis, to be honest. And even Mac Brown has said on a couple of occasions he doesn't want to go down that far. So, you know, I, I don't know what you do. Do you just kind of push him up a little bit more to uh, Central Florida, which has been good to North Carolina with, um, with guys um, – uh, like, uh, God, I'm going blank. Barnes and um, Montillas and and Antoine Green, those sort of guys. So, I mean, that's an option too. So it's going to be, you know, I'm hearing the same thing where nothing is settled. There are some, I guess, projections for what or penciled in for certain areas. But, um, but uh, you know, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what ends up happening because it could potentially change how North Carolina recruits and, and who, what, new um, territories and, and prospects they're going after. Yeah, Max said that they might start looking at a couple guys in South Florida because of DeWitt, just because those ties there are so strong. So he has said they're only going to go you know, down to kind of Jacksonville area and up to uh, D.C., Maryland, D.C., but it seems like that might change a little bit. Um, and it would make sense for Lily to, to, to attack Georgia too. So we'll see when that comes out. All right, we're going to take a quick break now and talk about our friends over at Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com right there on Franklin Street and right there on your internet. Johnny T-Shirt is the best place to get your UNC apparel, shirts, T-shirts, uh, you know, shorts, love basketball shorts, casual shorts, and you can get uh, sweatshirts as well, jackets, hoodies, and uh, any hats you need. Get all your UNC gear at Giant T-Shirt, JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Remember, inside Carolina subscribers can get a 10% off discount code on the uh, Tar Pit message board and the UNC basketball message board. So make sure to go on there and get those 10% off discounts can make a real difference. They're right on Franklin Street. So easy when you're cruising through Chapel Hill, coming in for a game, got baseball games coming up, got the spring game, those type of things. And then, of course, online at giantteacher.com. They're local. We like to support local businesses. They support you know businesses, small businesses like inside Carolina. And what uh, you supporting them allows us to do these podcasts. So we appreciate that. So if you're going to get, if you're going to buy UNC stuff, we assume you would, make sure you go to Giant T shirt and Giant T shirt.com and use the promo code for Inside Carolina subscribers. All right, Don, we're back. Um, we're back. We are back. We're back. We're doing this on a Monday. Don could fit into his schedule. He was early on, he was opposed to do recording today, but he came <laughs> around. Um, you know, didn't want to make him work too hard, but we got basketball podcasts dropping on on Tuesday morning. Sorry, on Wednesday morning and Thursday morning. So we want to get this one out kind of before that to kind of balance out the amount of podcasts we have per day per week. All right, Donald, um, your North Carolina rankings. You do it every year for your class. I know you want to kind of talk about your your method for this. I know they do pretty well traffic wise. Um, I think people enjoy them. You've already released the honorable mention, which I guess is. What sixty to fifty one? Uh, no, um, sixty to seventy five. Okay, or, I admit or, no, I have not. Fifty one, fifty one to seventy five. Okay, I haven't read yeah. it yet. Um, but you also released uh fifty to forty one today. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are for premium subscribers. I think once you get to the the top fifty. So could you kind of go through your process? Because I mean, no one else does this. I don't think anyone ranks. 
the 50 players who, I mean, I guess obviously the, the recruiting services do, but you have a more intimate look at every player. You talk to coaches, you talk to families, you talk to the players, you talk to other guys who evaluate. Uh, let, let us insight into a little bit of your process and we'll, we'll go from there. So basically, obviously you need, you need a pool of prospects to be evaluating. And that's a process that goes on for years and years in advance. I already have a, a list of names for the 2022, 2023, and even the 2024 classes. And to get those lists compiled, obviously talking to um, college coaches, high school coaches, I lean really heavily on scouting services, Exos Digital, which, which in this area is done by Jason Pugh, who does an unbelievable job, a free service to the high school, high school um, players, um, does a really good job of finding recruits. So I, I lean on those things to, to compile a list. And my first process is kind of dividing that list into positions. And that allows two things. One, it makes it so much easier because my list end up being like almost 300 names. So for me, it's easier to look at a smaller list first and kind of rank them um, as opposed to trying to rank, you know, 300 guys all at once or, or trying to remember what one guy looked like on film two days later after I'm ranking another guy. Um, and that all, and the other thing that it makes it easier for me is that one of the tools I kind of use to help with my rankings is I have five, I guess, um, attributes that I grade each position on and kind of add up those uh, on, a, on a one to five scale and then kind of add up those numbers. And that kind of helps me kind of put them in order. But when it comes down to it, I just basically watch the film and Really, I, I have in the last couple of years, I've just kind of assigned one of the, the rating numbers that we've talked about before in the podcast from 24-7 Sports. Um, again, there is a correlation between the, the number, the grading number that I give from the, um, the different attributes. Once I have all the positions ranked, I throw them all together and order them based off of their, my assigned 24-7 um, rating number, which a lot of times it's different than 24-7's rating number. So um, once I get that together, obviously you get like, I don't know, like 15 guys with 85 or so on. Got to order those guys, got to order them, you know, which one is better than the other. A lot of that is re-watching film, kind of refreshing my memory on guys. Once I have my first draft, I then have a handful of people who I trust very, very um, dearly with their opinions not only because I feel like they have really good um, football minds, but I know that they're going to give me give me good feedback, negative feedback, which I feel like is is way more important than positive feedback. With this, I let each guy kind of um, look at the 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 my, my rankings, give me feedback. I take a lot of a lot of notes from all those guys, and then each time I kind of go through and and um, based off of their feedback, decide okay, do I need to move this guy up? Uh, you know, three of the guys say, hey, this guy's too low, that sort of thing. And then eventually I come down with my top 50 and then 25 additional honorable mentions, which the honorable mentions came out last week, kind of like, like a teaser for the top five. And as you mentioned, we, we released 10 per day this week. Great. So you'll have the, the next grouping on, on Tuesday, followed by Wednesday, right? Correct. All the way cool. down to Friday when we have the top the top 10. Can't wait. Do you think you are the foremost expert on UNC football or not UNC North Carolina recruiting in terms of analysis of prospects, knowledge in the state of North Carolina? I don't, I don't, or in the, in, I guess in the world, in the nation. <laughs> Isn't that kind of crazy? I, 
I mean, yeah, yeah. When you when you put it like that, I mean, I'd hate to kind of like own that sort of title. Uh, I will say though, you're not going to find anybody else who sees mm. more re- prospects, more in-state prospects in person at more events, watches more film collectively, all that stuff. I mean, obviously the the um, college coaches they see their guys in their area a lot more than I do, but they're only having a chunk of North Carolina. Whereas I try to see all of them throughout North Carolina. Um, you know, every guy, every guy that North Carolina offers uh, right now has offered um, regardless of class. I have been to their high school, interviewed them and talked to their head coach about what type of player they are and that sort of thing. Uh, and I go to all the camps and combat. Anybody who's been following us at Carolina for a long time knows this. I mean, I, I go to a lot of these things. Uh, I was at the Carolina Stars 707, which is the, the best 707 team in the state of North Carolina. I was at their practice on um, Sunday, going to go to uh, Charlotte Knights practice uh, soon also. So I see a lot of these guys so often, and I, don't, I, don't, I just don't think there's anyone else who sees them more than I do. There you have it. Collectively. little shot at uh, Michael Clark, huh? <laughs> no. Michael, <laughs> Michael nah. Clark does a great job. I like Michael Clark. Um, good guy. Um, all right. Good brag there, man. That's a lot of bragging. I, I mean, it's kind of crazy. Me. I mean, it's kind of crazy to say you are the, like, to be the best at uh, at one thing from anybody in the whole world. Well, I don't know if I'm the best. I just think I see more of the guys. Well, I mean, you're the, you're the, yeah, you're the best. You're the, you're the most experienced, whatever. I think I'm up there in terms of my knowledge of North Carolina waterfalls. That you know what that's very valuable because when I have wanted to go see a waterfall, and I have, um, I relied heavily on some of these rankings on the web on the website. I wish I knew that you knew this stuff. You can give me some tips on this stuff. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm 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 the number one, but I'd say I'm I'm up there top top fifty. We well, you know what I so that's as you know. That's not my thing at all. That's completely out of my wheelhouse. What? Outdoors? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I am definitely a, I mean, you don't build a man tower and be outdoors every weekend. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, but I will say, and I did this when, when my wife and I were dating, um, mm. we did the whole waterfall, the walk, you know, and all that, the, the, <laughs> or I guess it's whatever it is. Um, and it was, it was the coolest experience for me as a homebody. Yeah, waterfalls are amazing. I love them. Yeah. I can't get enough of them. Um, shout out Jeff Joyce. He listens to our our uh, podcast every time, and he's a big Asheville waterfall guy. Um, okay, I'd love to do like a whole podcast on like your romance and dating life. Okay, I think yours is way more interesting than mine. Nah, boring. All right, let's take a quick break, and when we get back, this is the big thing. We're gonna talk about Drake May. You know, quarterbacks. Big topic of uh, discussion and interest for, for UNC fans. Uh, the news on Drake May after an interview Don had with the four-star North Carolina quarterback. And we're back. All right, Don. You posted an article on Monday afternoon about your interview with Drake May. Drake May has been committed to Alabama, I think, since this last summer. Uh, maybe like uh, July, June yeah, or July, he's been committed to, to, to Alabama. Um, you know, he's been at UNC a lot. His brother was a star basketball player here at UNC, and his uh, dad obviously played quarterback for a few years at UNC, not under Mac Brown, but the coach, I guess, probably before him. Um, 
he's still committed to Alabama. What can you tell us first, kind of in general, we don't want to give away too much from the premium article, about Drake May's recruitment right now, how's it going, and, and what you kind of took away from your interview with him? Yeah, so um, definitely urge everybody to read the premium story. Tons of information in there. Uh, he, he gives a lot away. The one thing I'll say is that, and you've talked to him, so you know this, super, super smart kid and just great at at kind of you're great at speaking you know great at great at giving you information but yet not giving you information but yet you know speaking really really well and and positively about everything in that that everybody who's involved in it um so you definitely have to kind of sort of I mean, I don't, I don't even want to, I don't even think you need to read between the lines. If you just kind of read just what he said to me, it, it paints a, a, a picture. And, and obviously, um, you know, there is some movement between, between him and North Carolina and because of what North Carolina has done the, the past, I guess, six months or so. Um, and in addition to that, that was kind of helping the situation is just what's going on at Alabama with their quarterback position. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you say that. He's such a good interviewer or gives out a lot of information. His brother was kind of the opposite in basketball. Really? Um, yeah, he wasn't that good of a quote. He gave you one-word answer, one-sentence answers. You know he was smart because he won all these academic awards, but he was not a good quote. He wouldn't really talk that much. Um, wow, Cameron Johnson and Kenny Williams were great, so you kind of spend more time with them. Um, okay, so – I mean, yeah, you didn't, you didn't really tell us much there. I mean, what is he telling you? What is, is things are open for him or not open? Or, or how does UNC stand right now? And what do you expect from that? Well, I don't want to give away too much from the premium article. But I think that <laughs> okay. um, I will just say that if you have not read the premium article, this is, a, this is a situation worth monitoring. There's been a lot of rumors that have been going around that haven't really had a whole lot of um, facts to to support them. In this story, he kind of – a lot of the rumors, he um, he basically kind of confirms some of them or um, comes out and, and um, explains the situation really well. Um, now, the one thing I'll say is that I did ask him about whether he felt like Alabama lied to him because a lot of this – a lot of this, I guess, um, the, the situation with Alabama is that the rumor is is that Alabama told him that they weren't going to take a 2020 quarterback and they ended up taking not only a 2020 quarterback, but a, but one of the top 2020 quarterbacks, <laughs> the second best 2020 quarterback um, in Bryce Young, a five-star guy from California. And um, he's already on campus and he's going to be competing for the starting quarterback job in, in the spring, which I think is the key there. A lot of people are saying different stuff about, Oh, you know, yeah, this this team has this team has, has these players or these quarterbacks and these quarterbacks and all that, but in reality, Drake May is not afraid of competition. He just wants to be involved in the competition. And if Bryce Young were to hypothetically win the starting quarterback job for Alabama, Drake May will not be a part of that competition because by the time Drake May gets on campus, Bryce Young would have a year of starting experience under his belt already. Yeah, I mean, that's the interesting part of the story is, is Alabama's situation. Bryce Young, one of the best quarterbacks in the 2020 class, uh, likely as the starter for for Alabama. You know, he's going against some some guys who've had more experience, but I think the talent level, I think it's pretty safe to say that Bryce Young has more talent than the other guys. But uh, we'll see. But either way, you got a quarterback ahead of you 
at Alabama, who is likely going to be a starter at some point. Um, so it's interesting. You look at UNC's situation, you know, Sam Howe, I think he'll be gone after the 2021 season, three years in college. So that, you know, then you, you turn to Jacoby Criswell, who is just one year ahead of Drake May. So how did that, I mean, how is that any different? I mean, do you, I guess Drake May maybe thinks he could beat out Jacoby Criswell. Yeah, so the difference is, is that once, once that competition opens up, They'll Drake both be May, on campus. Well, yeah, Drake May will be on campus and he'll have a shot at winning it. He it. won't, unless Mac Jones wins the Alabama job, Drake May will not have an, a, a chance to compete in the competition that, you know, for, for Alabama's opening right now. So, and, and really, I know Bryce Young has a ton of talent, but he's also competing with uh, Tua Tagovailoa's younger brother, who, who was a four-star quarterback, and Mac Jones, who um, who played a bunch last season. For, yeah, he wasn't um, bad either. No, he wasn't. He actually was pretty good um, for for Alabama. So, so yeah. So it's not like a foregone conclusion, but the difference, you know, with your original question, the difference with, with North Carolina situation is that Drake may will be actively involved in the competition. Gotcha. Good stuff. Drake may four-star quarterback out of uh, Myers park high school in Charlotte. Of course, Dre Bly used to coach at Myers park. Uh, additionally, um, uh, Dre, Dre Bly's son plays there. Are there any players? Oh, Oh, um, the Cameron Rose and Sinclair played there, right? Yes. Yep. That was his. There's multiple ties from from uh, Myers Park to UNC. And additionally, I would like to share. You didn't set me up for this, Don. You said you're going to set me up for this, but um, my favorite quote from the story. Oh, I'm little, sorry. Little yeah. teaser is he goes, "Right now, I'm committed, but I'm keeping my options open. You never know." So obviously, it, this thing kind of it's a contradiction. So if you're and we don't know what the, your your status is because it's, it's a mystery. This is why I feel like your love life would be way, way more interesting than mine. If your girlfriend, let's say you have one, or boyfriend, I don't know what, what, what the deal is here. Um, they say, I am committed but leaving my options open. What do you think about that boyfriend or girlfriend? No longer my uh, boyfriend or girlfriend. Gotcha. You know, you're no longer committed. I mean, if you're, yeah, if you're looking around and talking to the schools, you're no longer committed uh, or, or strongly committed. You can be, um, you know, leaning more towards Alabama, but you're still, I would say you're still pretty open. So uh, there you have it. I mean, I would expect him to flip. That's my take right now. You heard it first. Ross Martin inside Carolina. Uh, okay. When it happens, who knows? But yeah, other than that, he has Clemson going after him uh, along with some other schools. He's always said he wanted to go to a football school. You mentioned that in your article. Clemson, LSU, other schools going after him. And it looked like the other QB that's offered in the 2021 class is leaning towards LSU. Is that correct? Have you noticed that as well? Yeah, well, that's what the crystal balls are saying. And he's definitely yeah. – he's going to actually make a visit to LSU coming up. Um, yeah. So and He's a Texas he, kid, a little bit closer. Yeah, but now he I, – I spoke to What's him. What's his name? Get his name his, out of the way uh, first. Uh, Jarrett Nussmeyer. And, yeah. and his name might be familiar because his dad is uh, a, an NFL coach. Um you know, has happened around a bunch of different places, including the Cowboys. I can't remember where he's at right now. But um, he also, I spoke to him last week, and he also expressed a desire to visit uh, North Carolina sometime soon, but he did not have a date for that. Um, visited Baylor over the weekend, and as you mentioned, he has a um, an LSU visit coming up, which obviously would be pretty, pretty important. And just like kind of we were talking about the Evan Pryor situation, if um, Nussmeyer visits LSU and then doesn't visit anywhere else, 
then that's a pretty good sign of what's happening with him. But he actually has a date set for um, uh, April for his announcement. So um, that's kind of key with him. Tough. Um, is there anything else we can touch on on Drake May? Well, the, the thing that I think we need to mention, though, is for a while now, we've been kind of assuming that because because like i said before i mean a lot of the stuff with drake may has been just kind of rumor you know hearing it from this guy and you know this guy knows the janitor at myers park and yada yada um but you know unc's actions i feel like you kind of foretold a lot of this because as you mentioned there's only two quarterbacks unc has offered in this class who are i'm sorry there's only one quarterback north carolina's offer who's not committed to his school and that's nussmeyer who we just mentioned you would think you know not you can't feel all that positive about nussmeyer i think unc's in it but you, you got to feel like that uh you're definitely chasing lsu or and whoever else you would think they would offer more guys you know expand that yeah. that the quarterback board the fact that they didn't has got to tell you just how they feel about their chances with with Drake May. Great insight. And they have tons of guys already committed from the Charlotte area. I mean, every guy they have is committed from the Charlotte area, except, except Rocky, Caleb Rocky, Wood. Yeah, Rocky Ham, North Carolina. Hunter Huss, Mountain Island Charter, Vance High School, Sun Valley High School. Um, I get Hunter Huss and, and, um, and Huff confused. Yeah, H's. H's, yeah. All right. That's it for the uh, kind of the news newsy part of this podcast. We're now going to jump into the top five, but this is still pretty pretty interesting, I think, um, and kind of get you hyped for the 2020 season with spring spring practice right around the corner. We enlisted uh, the listeners provide us with their top five games they're most excited about as a fan to to consume, watch, go to, etc. We got a, a bunch of responses. I think we got eight. Um, and so we'll start. We'll read about three each, uh, and then we'll give us. We'll uh, we'll give ours. All right. Okay. Go ahead, Don. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's see. Who should I read first? Um. Let's oh. go with Jake from Salisbury. Number uh, number five, Miami. Time to put the Canes in the rear view. Number hmm. four, Moo Yu, aka NC State rival game. And need to crush them and keep them in the rightful place. Number three, Duke rival game where we need to to squash them like a bug. <laughs> need to keep beating them by big margins. Number two, Auburn signature win if pulled off and have the excitement for the season at a fever pitch. And number one, Virginia Tech hate these d bags. Can I say <laughs> d bags? And the last two years have been miserable, miserable heartbreakers on the heels of a beatdown in 2017 and the infamous hurricane game in 2016 beat them. And we can start the era of separation between the programs that we all want so badly. There you go. A lot of um, graphic um, <laughs> things that are crush them, squash them. And then some vulgarity by Jake. All right. I'll go Dean dog from orange County, California. Number five, he has UVA and VT tied. Uh, this is about Tidewater recruiting and beating last year's best coastal teams beat these teams you've got a great shot at a rematch in clemson versus clemson number four auburn again this is in atlanta the second week of the season second game a win puts us on the map and moves up the pole to two and oh three ucf first game um players can realize this is the year two nc state <laughs> beat them rednecks like a bass tracker or 
and roll them into the ACC championship game. Uh, t- uh, one, Clemson. So he's expecting UNC to get to the ACC championship game and face Clemson. Dean Dog is calling this the cornucopia of love bowl. <laughs> Dean Dog's a weirdo. And I love it. All right. All right. Let me go. How many we read in total? Three each. Three each. All right. I'm going to go with a long time, long time submitter, Dale from Wax, Wax Hall. Number five, Pitt. Um, should be a great game. Uh, we'll look to avenge OT loss. Number four, UCF. Should be a great game. Number three, State. Timing sucks, but UNC will be looking to take to put the nail in Doran's coffin. Number two, Virginia Tech. After the six OT loss last season, everyone will be chomping at the bit to beat them. And number one, Auburn. Should be a big nationally recognized game with everyone talking about Hal versus Knicks, Bateman versus Morris, ACC versus SEC. Okay, I'm going to go um, Ryan from Chapel Hill. Number five, UCF. Uh, I think it can be a great game. It's mostly inconsequential being that it's at a conference, but it's the first game. or And it's the first game, sorry. Four, Auburn. It's early and it's out of conference. A loss doesn't really hurt us, but a win can really help us. Knicks versus Hal will be fun to watch. Miami. I honestly think UNC is a better team but might, might lose this game. It's on the road, and Diaz will have the defense ready. It'd be a huge road win. Two, Virginia Tech. I think this game will decide the Coastal. UVA will take a major step back without Bryce Perkins. Miami might be a mess. Pitt will be average in G-Tech. It's still a year away from returning to being competitive. Duke might be yikes-level bad. And number one, NC State. I might be the only person who has, the number, who has this number one. NC State might be bad next year, like really bad, but if UNC puts... It on them, it likely ends the Dave Dorn era, and most importantly, gives UNC the priority for in-state recruits for the next two to four years. It's all about recruiting. I would argue that keeping Dave Dorn there for an extra year would help UNC. No, I mean, that's that's the, always the argument, is like you want to kind of force a team, your rival, to fire its head coach, but you're absolutely right. You want them to keep a coach that's kind of like a – a dead duck out there because, I mean, things aren't looking good. You know, speaking of which, I just happened to be going over there and looking at, um, I guess, a mailbag thing that Michael Clark did, and it amazes me, and I, I know it shouldn't, but amazes me how many questions to Michael Clark are about UNC and just how well North Carolina is doing compared to NC State in recruiting. Does that surprise you? No, I mean, UNC – has rent in the mind of uh, NC State fans. I mean, I see it on Twitter all the time. You know, I kind of poke the bear occasionally. I, I try to limit how much I troll you, NC State fans. Yeah, we get in trouble for that. They hate me. Um, <laughs> there, I mean, there's been threads about me. I know they don't like you either. They think you're an idiot. Yeah, they do. What's wrong <laughs> with them? They don't listen to this podcast, I bet. But yeah, you know how many, how many NC State fans follow me on Twitter? It's ridiculous. I mean, like yeah. On the, and then when something happens, like like NC State gets a commitment, they'll like <laughs> tweet at me with like a story I did from the kid from like six months ago, like it mattered. So yeah. you know, it's a rare breed. I'm on a group chat with um, NC State fans, but they're like they're a little smarter. Like they're not the crazy NC State fans, like the ones that you know chirp at me on Twitter. But I get a good feeling for NC State fans through that, and then I can hop on Twitter or elsewhere. Um, okay. Good little interlude there. It's funny when I see them bash you. <laughs> you I almost chime it. in. I say, I almost chime in and say, that's my best friend. Oh, do you? Or do you chime in against me? No. I have a uh, alias. I say, yeah, Don sucks. 
<laughs> I bet you do. All right. Is it my turn? Yeah. All right. Last, last, one, last one for you. Last one for me. All right. John from Alexandria. Picking this because I actually spent the night in Alexandria a couple of weeks ago for work purposes, obviously. Number five, <laughs> Pitt. From Another, Charleston? Um, no, no. John from Alexandria, Virginia. Oh, okay. no, that We have a lot of Johns. You know, John Siegley, though, is the best John, right? Uh, my dad and brother's names are John. Uh, wow. Okay. All right. Are you related to John Siegley then? Or are they? No. no okay. No. All right, number five, Pitt, division rival. We need to we need to exact revenge for last year and start a brand new winning streak. Number four, Virginia. This is closest ACC school to where I live, so I always make an effort to get to this game. Char- uh, Charlottesville should be nice in early October. Number three, Miami. Have never been to a game at Miami, but I'm I'm planning to go this year. Not expecting a great atmosphere, but this is a big time division opponent that always has a lot of talent. This interesting the way he approached this because I kind of approached it the same way, where I took into consideration the fact that you get to go to Miami or Virginia or whatever. All right, number two, Virginia Tech. Perhaps the most important game on the schedule as far as the Coastal Division race is concerned. Glad this game is in, in Chapel Hill this year, and I'm hoping for an, an electric atmosphere. And number one, Auburn. Always fun to attend the college, uh, the kick, uh, Chick-fil-A kickoff. <laughs> would pref- I was trying to figure out what the, what the abbreviation was. Yeah. Um, would prefer scheduling home and homes with SEC opponents, but these games are special whenever they're played. Definitely agree with that, with what he said. Okay. Um, I, I, we read Noah from Korea a lot. I'm not going to do his, but he. Uh, I just want to give Noah Korea, from Korea a shout-out. I'm going to read, of course, Ted from Neptune, one of our many um, many listeners outside of the uh, outside of the what outside of Earth. Um, all right, still, five. still in our solar system though. We yeah, haven't extended right. beyond that. Five NC State winning this one, we get the Coastal title and a chance for Clemson in the ACC championship. Three and four, and he listed three teams. Odd way to do it. Gentech, Duke, and Miami. After winning our first two ACC games, winning two of these three puts us in the driver's seat in the Coastal. Two, Auburn. Just coming off a huge victory over UCF will have us firmly established in the top 2025. 20, so a matchup versus possible top 10 Auburn could be huge for the program. And one, UCF. I wish it was starting this Saturday. So having to wait until this makes the first game of the season the biggest one for me. <laughs> this Saturday. He's got like months to wait. All right, yeah. let's go through ours quickly here. One at a time or, or every other? Um, let's just go all the way through it. Okay. Each. You go, you go for it. I got to look at it for a second here. I had to look for it too because um, this was very really difficult for me because I feel like my thoughts are different than what you know our listeners would be. All right. Yeah, so, I mean, wait, wait, hang on. It's interesting because there's a lot of factors at play. I mean, people might look at what, what game they, they want to go to the most, what game is the most important. Mm-hmm. Um, what games most important for the coastal? What games most important for just program changing or recruiting? Um, you know, or, or or maybe what's big for recruiting? If it's a big home game, so there's a lot of factors that go and play here. Yes, I agree. All right, so my number five is UCF, and main reason is because you know it's a it's a team and a, and a locale because it's at US UCF. Um, North Carolina doesn't play a whole lot, um, doesn't go there a whole lot, so I think it's um. As a fan, it would be a kind of cool experience to see something different. Number four, at Duke. Um, obviously, that's not like a great home environment sort of thing. But um, for whatever reason, I guess the rivalry, 
you know, definitely a traditional throw the records out the window. It just seems like no matter how good each team is or how bad they are, this always ends up being a really good game. Um, was a really good game last year with, with UNC obviously getting that big win um, and getting the bell back. Uh, number three, Virginia Tech. Uh, for a lot of the reasons that everyone mentioned, uh, you know, it's, it's a big game recruiting-wise. It's a big game in the Coastal Division. It's a team that North Carolina seems to not be able to solve, even though they were down last year or down, I guess, early on this season. Um, and North Carolina just couldn't capitalize. It was just kind of a crazy game with all the overtimes. Number two, NC State. Um, you know, that, this is another one where the records really don't matter. Um, I know that everyone's kind of assuming, okay, North Carolina definitely is a better team, at least as we stand today. I mean, obviously, a lot of things can change in the next few months. Um, but, um, you know, it, NC State could easily win this just because of the rivalry and the way they play and, and, and that sort of stuff. But it could affect, if North Carolina wins, it could really affect what happens in, in Raleigh with that football program. And number one for me is Auburn. Um, mm. Just a really cool game playing SEC opponent. You know, the second game of the season, North Carolina is really going to get tested to see just where they are, how far off they are um, with being at that level. Um, and um, I mean, as everyone said, it's, it's a kickoff classic. It's, you know, a neutral site be a really, it really be a really cool experience to kind of um, to be at. Yeah, awesome. for sure. Yeah, my uh, I, have, I have some similar ones to you in similar orders as well. Um, my five, four, and three are all co- big coastal matchups. So five will start with at Miami. I think uh, you know if you want to win the coastal, you got to win. You got to beat some of these coastal teams. So that starts with Miami on October twenty fourth. That's um. It is the first game before a bye week, so it's a it's a long stretch of coastal games. They have Georgia Tech, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Duke, and then Miami. Um, that would be huge to, to win that last game of that stretch. Then at Virginia is my number four game. You know, they were, like many people said already, they were the coastal champions last year. You've got to beat these teams to get you ahead. That's your first. That's your second coastal matchup coming after Georgia Tech game. My third is Virginia Tech. Um, that's in Keyan Stadium, October 10th. Should be a, a pretty a pretty electric dynamic there and, and crowd, big for recruiting. Virginia Tech doesn't seem to be much of a competitor in terms of recruiting this year, but in terms of uh, you know recruits visiting for that game, it should be a big one. Um, it's, it's sandwiched between a bunch of uh, away games. Number two, NC State. We've talked about this. Yeah, I, I do think it's still crucial for maintaining dominance in state recruiting. It could be the demise of Dave Dorn in Raleigh, but I do think NC State has a chance to be better. There, a lot of the fit, that, that that class that had a bunch of defensive linemen, I think they'll be in their third year, so most of them will be redshirt sophomores. Um, I think that's right. Maybe they're yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. right. Yeah. So they have a lot of talent that that maybe wasn't ready to play last year when they went what four and eight. Um, but quarterback's still an issue there, and I, mm-hmm. I think until they figure out quarterback. Um, UNC's going to have the upper hand there, but that's always a big game. That'll be over Thanksgiving weekend, but it'll be a Friday um, in Chapel Hill, Friday, November 27th. And the number one, like you, Auburn, it's going to be a national stage. Um, it's going to be probably on ESPN or ABC. Could be, could be two top 25 teams against an ACC school. That's kind of a, a program-defining win to beat a, 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 one of the top-tier SEC schools. And I think UNC has a chance to do that. I think UNC has a chance to, to you know, to win every game 
and with the schedule, honestly, um, with with Sam Howell quarterback. Of course, they won't because things don't always go your way and things happen. But you know, I don't see I don't see a game on the schedule where UNC is going to be some huge underdog. Um, Auburn might be the the biggest underdog they'll be. Yeah, no, I can um, I I can agree with that. I mean, I think Auburn probably depending on how things go, Auburn I think will probably be double digit um, favorite. I would assume. You think? Yeah. I mean, I I, that's just what I'm saying right now. Are you surprised no one picked the UNC UConn game? <laughs> what no. is, what is what is UConn doing coming down here for a game? That was a that was a really recently announced game too. They uh, Mac I mean, wanted Mac wanted less FBS games, or did sorry, they get FCS. UConn? So they kicked did, out they kicked out another one of the games and, and got to deal with UConn. Hey, you stack these wins, and that's a that's a win against a uh, uh, an FBS team. So no, you're right, you're right. But I mean, there's probably a good amount of FCS programs that are better than UConn. Dan Orlovsky, former UConn quarterback. You watch yeah. him on ESPN at all? I mean, yeah, I've heard him. Like, it's, he was he play, uh, he's a um, color commentator, correct? He does get up a lot. Oh, uh, so I don't watch Get Up. All right, Donald. Anything else we need to touch on? No, I think we're good. I think we're good. All right, pretty good podcast, I thought. We will talk to you next time, guys. Appreciate you listening. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.